It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. 34701 is the SMS line we're discussing the issue uh, of uh, illegal mining. Oxfam South Africa is calling for government to decriminalize informal mining. This follows the death of a five-year-old boy who fell into a disused mine and uh, 14 illegal miners were found dead in uh, derelict mines in uh, Benoni in Gauteng's East Rand. The organization says the deaths were avoidable and uh, are a symptom of much bigger problems faced by communities living alongside abandoned mines. On the forum at 8, we look at the plight of illegal miners and the call to decriminalize informal mining. Shortly, we'll be joined by Tembingosi Lamini, who is a, a senior uh, extravits uh, lead at Oxfam South Africa, and uh, we'll have on the line, in fact, from our studio in uh, Johannesburg, uh, in Pretoria, right, at Swane, Deputy Minister at the Department of Mineral Resources, Godfrey Oliphant. Perhaps uh, let's start with the minister right now who is uh, in our studio already. Deputy Minister, good to be chatting to you. Good morning. Uh, good morning and good morning to the listeners. Minister, there is a call to decriminalize informal mining in South Africa. Perhaps let's look at uh, the mining charter. What does it say about uh, informal mining? No, the, the, the mining charter does not talk about informal mining. It only talks about mining that is legal, that is regulated properly. Uh, illegal mining by its own nature, it's an activity that is not licensed. It is, so to speak, a criminal activity in terms of the South African laws. And I do realize what uh, our friends from Oxfam are saying about legalizing it. That is just part of it. Just to give a bit of a background here is that the areas in South Africa that are affected highly by this illegal mining is in the Free State, the Machabeng District, for instance, in Pumalanga, around Babaton and Ivenda, Gauteng, we're talking Kurilen and the West Rand in general, Stillfontein in the Northwest, Northern Cape, you're talking about Namakwaland and Kimberley, and there are others. But these are the major areas of focus that we're working on right now. Mm. And, and this happens precisely because of uh, South Africa being a very big mining destination, having mines for so many years in the country, and we also acknowledge that the rehabilitation process and uh, uh, clearing, uh, uh, yeah, rehabilitation of old mines in the previous government was not as effective. That's why we're sitting with this legacy today, and we are trying to do our best, multi-pronged approach to try and deal with this matter, and legalizing some of the safe areas is just part of it. Unfortunately, we can't legalize all of it because others are really very dangerous. Uh, but uh, as government, are you looking at uh, that proposal to uh, decriminalize uh, informal mining? No, we've been working very hard with the municipalities where this is happening and also with some mining industries. There are examples, for instance, in the Rodiport area, in Reveille area, where we have started uh, uh, a lot of work to dig out the outcrops that were there, so illegal mining is starting to subside. There are areas around Ikuruleni as well, uh, blessed box spread where we have rehabilitated successfully and there are areas really where people have been given licenses to be able to mine and employ a lot of people around Gauteng to be able to seal some of the shafts but also to be able to take out the gold that uh, can be successfully mined. We do encourage people to, to, to apply uh, for licenses and where we are able to talk to them because some of them don't want to talk to the department. When we approach them they run away. Mm. So, but we are trying our best to try and minimize this illegal mining activity. 
illegal mining uh, uh, deputy minister you know comes about because there is a disused mine uh, that is open there is there and you're talking about a rehabilitation and you're talking about that process failed under the apartheid government but uh, you know I, I'm, I'm my question is we would generally know who mined there and and some of these uh, mining companies have have packed and left south africa but they are operating somewhere else Tell me about, uh, you know, the, the campaign and efforts to get them back to come and rehabilitate the, the, the mess that they left in South Africa. Regrettably, when you take a government, you take it with all its, you take it foot stewards. That's what happened to us. There were 6,000 derelict and ownerless mines in South Africa, and we've tried to close some of them, and we continued. Uh, the records of ownership of mine owners in the past have been very archaic. So those that we could trace, we bring back, but others you can't even trace because it was so chaotic. But having said that, we can't really just mark uh, st- time on that position. Yeah. We've got to move forward along the lines. What do we do? So we've uh, firstly prioritized some of the areas that were dangerous, especially where you found... Uh, asbestos that one at least there is no illegal mining it's just a matter of making it safe where there are holdings we closed most of them 200 holdings have been closed so far by the council for geoscience and employed about 200 people in the process and others really uh, uh, where, where, where we work together with the mining industry we should be able to to do that because some of the mining activities are taking place alongside where there is legal mining but we must also say to you that this is not just an innocent, illegal mining issue. It's highly syndicated, this matter. If you see, look into the profile of people who have been arrested uh, in the past few uh, years on illegal mining, it's, it's, a num- it's really people who know what they are doing. Uh, for instance, in 2016, uh, about 800 people were arrested, and in 2015, 500 people were arrested. That is illegal miners. But over and above that, you've had some kingpins who were arrested, which also included, regrettably, some of our police officials and some of the mine managers who were involved in this and some of those who are working in the mines who are basically giving people access through legal means to go into the mines. So it's highly indicated. It's an international syndicate. And they change, as we change our approach to resolving it, they also change their method of operation. All right. Let me give the, give out the correct number, 0891-104-208, not 7, 208 today. 0891-104-208 is uh, the number to call. We'll be talking uh, shortly to Tembin Gosid Lamin, who is a senior uh, extractives uh, lead at Oxfam South Africa, senior extractives lead at Oxfam South Africa. They are making this call uh, that government must de- uh, decriminalize informal mining. I'll be going to the lines shortly, uh, Tim is here in the studio with me. Good to be chatting to you, Tim Goss. Good morning. Good morning. Oxfam is making this call. What, what, what do you mean? What are you hoping to achieve with this call and what do you think needs to happen immediately to deal with the issue of informal mining? Well, I think Section 22 of the South African Constitution is very clear that every citizen has a right to choose the trade, occupation or professional of their choosing. And then uh, also South Africa is party to the Africa Mining Vision, mm. uh, which uh, simply it's an African Union instrument signed in 2009, 
which makes it clear that uh, governments need to put measures in place to regularize and formalize artisanal mining as in the Africa continent in general. It, there is a, a recognition that the minerals of the continent, although Africa is very rich with minerals, it has tended to benefit uh, multinational corporations, which are companies from abroad, than the people of Africa themselves. So we see the question of artisanal mining as posing a lot of potential in terms of job creation, livelihoods, and putting food on the table for the majority poor. Especially the artisanal miners that are there, they are very skilled people, uh, entrepreneurship-wise, and also in terms of the skills of the mining itself. Mm. So we see that potential, and also that, as it is, they have a right to choose that sort of occupation. So you're talking about informal mining, but uh, what we see right now is illegal mining, illegal activities. And we're talking about mines that are disused, the mines that were used and uh, the, the, the minerals were extracted and there is nothing left. The, the, those who own the mines left because they felt that those mines are not profitable for them anymore or there's nothing underground. And then we understand and we know the dangers that are there uh, going underground in a, a mine like that. And you're encouraging government then to say, let's formalize this informal as, as it were, illegal mining? Yes, I think there's a provision to Section 22 uh, of the Constitution, which then says subject to government regulation, Yeah, which means that is the area where we are talking into, which simply says that uh, someone within DMR uh, will take responsibility for saying uh, having a dialogue, first of all, with these informal miners, yeah. uh, where they can say, look, this is where we see opportunity, this is how we work underground. This is how we are able to extract value underground, given what remains. Because one thing you need to understand about mining is that there are instances where you continue the mining as a commercial entity using the capital-intensive methods, where it, it, it becomes suboptimal to continue to mine. However, someone coming with rudimentary methods, such as those used by artisanal miners, they can still mine uh, they can still mine and still make money out of those operations mm. uh, that is why you find that uh, even with big mining companies there's a mine that is closed at a particular point in time because of prices because of the quality of the mineral or any other risk factors but you find that the mine is reopened at a later date when the technology has improved, for instance. So who is going to resource the uh, informal miners then? Because they, they will need shafts, they will need... Understandably, when the company moves, they just uh, remove everything and, and leave yeah. just a, a deep hole there. So who is then going to, 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 to fund that? And have you done a study that will determine how much it will cost, for instance, to resuscitate a, a disused mine so that the informal mining then can take place? Well, one of the things that we say as Oxfam in the, in, the, in, in, in the statement that we issued is that there is need for more research to be carried out into artisanal mining. So when you're looking at the issue of um, uh, formalizing the sector, then it means you are going to be attracting more people who want to do legitimate business. Those are the people that will come in and make investments to okay. say you can go underground 
I'm going to go give you tools. I'm going to give you some training. I'm going to give you security of the market so that we have a whole value chain approach in terms of the issues of artisanal money. So at the current moment, the sector is self-organizing, as it were. Okay. So we have no reason to believe that they will then not be able to self-organize once you, you regularize and you formalize. Temikosi Lamini, Senior Extractives Lead at Oxfam South Africa. They are making a call that government must decriminalize informal mining. And in our Tuani studio, we're joined by the Deputy Minister of Mineral Resources, Godfrey Oliphant. We go to Christopher in Germiston. Good morning, Chris. Thank you, thank you very much. I just want to uh, just challenge the minister about the, you know, the, the kind of narrative that says that they is that they do allow informal masks to to kind of register and so forth. We know of an example, and we're working with people in Kimberley, two thousand miners, and through a process where we engage the DMR. And the DMR then said, okay, well, give us the ID numbers and all of the details of all of these informal miners, and we will help to register them. In fact, this comes from a visit by the then Minister Ramatlodi in 2015, where he instructed the DMR to regularize the informal miners around, uh, around, around Kimberley. <clears throat> so when we gave them the, the details of these informal miners, instead of working with the miners, to ensure that they have access to the resources of our country. What they did is they gave the names to a private company, Ikapa mm. Mining in Kimberley. And then Ikapa Mining started a process of evicting these miners and, and, and they then engaged in secret meetings with the Hawks and the DMR. And now these people are becoming criminals, you know. Uh, so, so we get a sense that the department is not interested really in working with people to create jobs okay what what we kind of see is that they tend to protect big business now that is a critical critical point in this conversation because we, we what, allow- saying, what Oxfam is saying is we want to use artisanal mining to create jobs not to criminalize people. And that's a very important distinction one has okay. to make. We'll, we'll, thank you very much, Christopher and Germiston. We'll allow uh, the Deputy Minister to respond. But let me take Hassan in Soweto. Yeah, um, listen, our work, uh, Bongi, around with the Benchmark Foundation is more about the total way mining is done, not simply at the tail end. Because the discussion the way it's couched now seems to be around when the mine is abandoned. Now let's uh, in, uh, let's make it formal so that these guys can get involved and see what's left of the scrap. Clearly, artisanal mining must be there from the beginning of new mining. So the mindset must be very, very changed. So I think the Minister Ulifant must actually start talking about uh, what space is there for different forms of ownership around mines and not simply that they pick up the scraps of the tail end. That's the first issue. Secondly, what do we do about the illegality of formal mining? We will start mining without water licenses. There's such poor, poor regulation, ineffective, ineffective and corrupt uh, administration of, of mining in this country that the minister talks as if he's living in another country. Really, it's an overall package that we need to talk about, and this is what I find is lacking. The DMR, there are people with title deeds. The Hrikwa community in the Kimberley area has got license to mine, and we spoke at the Human Rights Commission with the, with the DMR uh, acting DJ at that time, and they can't start mining. There's okay. a sense of illegality 
in this mining sector total, not just around this particular large ex- action that you're talking about now. Well, thank you very much, Hassan, in Soweto. Sitigo in Pretoria? Thank you, Bongi. Hi. First, first, the guy who from the Oxford who says uh, the Constitution uh, allows the right to trade, it's, it's true. But people should not do things illegally in the name of the Constitution. Uh, uh, illegal mining remains illegal mining. And if you start mining illegality, because most of the guys who are doing illegal mining are from foreign nationals. So I don't know how you expect us to legalize something that has been run mostly by people who are foreign nationals. I want to hear him from this. Thank you. All right, Tende Joey, you are in uh, Cape Town. Hello. Hi, Joey, go ahead. Hi, yes. Um, I'm finding myself having, you know, I'm busy with uh, Ilmanite Sand for uh, Chinese buyers, but I find myself having to phone overseas in order to get products from here. Now, I'm sitting with qualified buyers, and as a result of that, I continuously find myself phoning overseas in order to get products from here. Mm. If, you know, with the formalization process, is it possible then to, you know, organize us through the DMR, uh, you know, people who have got real interest um, to um, partner with the department and obviously make the proper, uh, you know, follow follow proper procedure in terms of the actual mining that needs to be extracted because multinationals are all over the place and they are running the show, whereas locals are forced to to the illegal occupation of, of, of mines and so on. Okay. So, um, you know, is there a possible that way that the minister can assist in that regard? Thank you very much, Joe, in Cape Town. Uh, Deputy Minister, a couple of questions for you. Uh, you, you. You heard from Chris that uh, they gave the numbers to your department and the department gave those numbers to the Hawks. Uh, he, there's also the issue of uh, artisanal mining. Uh, it must be there from the word go, just like the BEE, for instance, and talking about uh, formal mining, that also uh, is questioned because some of them operate re- without uh, proper uh, documentation, uh, water licenses being one of them. Uh, go ahead, uh, Deputy Minister, uh, just uh, respond to some of our callers. No, l- let me thank those uh, who called. And uh, it's regrettable in the case of Chris that uh, some people took the, they gave the IDs in good faith and they were used for other purposes other than what they agreed upon. Will you follow up on this? I'll follow up on this one and I'm going to right now give my cell phone so that. Uh, those who want to participate in resolving this matter, can we can never discussion. I'm committed now that, uh, and I've committed before, and I've had some discussions with some people who came to the fore to say how best to deal with this matter. Sure. Unfortunately, it's happening all over the country, and some people don't have the information that we can share in a forum together to try and do what uh, people are requesting us to do. So on the Ikapa matter, fortunately, I'm also from that area of the Northern Cape, Warrington, not far from Kimberley, I'm quite, quite aware of the activities that are happening there. So, Chris, my number is 082-747-4695. I'll give it again later. 082-747-4695. So that we can have a discussion, especially on this matter, but generally also how we can take these matters forward. Uh, our Ours, when we say we want to regularize this, we really mean that. and We have demonstrated that in other areas. The Benchmark Hassan, uh, Benchmark Foundation, artisanal mining is not illegal mining. Artisanal mining is regulated. You've got a license to do legal mining. 
So that's what we're promoting. And we do have small mining support uh, services in the department itself. So people who come up, and our laws also give uh, people the right to apply for smaller areas if they want to do like that. You can apply to up to five hectares and uh, mine and grow with the resource as, as you grow. So the ownership and scope of mining in general, nobody is is is, is limited only to 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 uh, artisanal mining. If you want to be big, our laws make it for you to be able to get a pro- proper prospecting license or a mining license, mining right, prospecting right, to be able to do bigger issues. So it's not to say our laws only say you can just take after the big ones have left. You can apply for any, and as long as you can do it uh, according to our rules. So the issue of those without water license, we are aware that there were people who are waiting for water licenses. We have since resolved this matter from 2012, where we've got a one system where you can apply for your mining right or or prospecting right. You can apply for your water license and environmental uh, right, right at one stop the DMR. So we've got that li- one-stop licensing system in the country which has been working very well. I think Comrade uh, Sidiko uh, in Pretoria has clarified uh, the issue that I'm going to also Okay. Just let, me, let me ask you, uh, Deputy Minister, to pause uh, right there. Uh, we'll, we'll come back uh, and talk to Temengosi Lamin to tell us more about the processes, how they want this done. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8. Favorite time of the morning. On AM Live. In conversation with uh, Tim Ngozi Lamini, Senior Extractives Lead at Oxfam South Africa, also Deputy Minister at the Department of Mineral Resources, Godfrey Oliphant, in our Tswane studio. Uh, Deputy Minister, before I come to Tim Ngozi, uh, Joey, also, I don't know if uh, you, you got that, that uh, he has to make a call overseas first to get a product that is produced here, that is extracted here, then sent overseas and then repackaged or packaged there, and then it comes back uh, 20 times more. You know, I, I hear that, and uh, that's why I was giving this number, because we've got our offices throughout the country in all nine provinces where people should go to to get clarity and so on. It looks like, like the Kimberley case and the one of Joey. That's why I was giving that number. But we want to work with uh, people who can help us uh, to regularize and promote artisanal mining. All I was trying to say is that we should not conflate arti- formal artisanal mining to illegal mining, because illegal mining... It's something else that is highly syndicated where there are guns given to people and equipment and recruited by a kingpin, some of them that we have arrested. So there's a difference between the two. But all we are saying is that those areas that we can make safe, uh, where people can work, where we can be supported by institutions of government like the Council for Geoscience and Mintech and the Department of Mineral Resources, we are all one in this one. My last point on, on Tembe as well is to say the same invitation stands so that we can have a discussion, a solution. But the areas that he's mentioning about Section 22 of the Constitution, I think we're talking about legal mining. Okay. And the African mining vision promotes legal mining and beneficiation, not illegal mining and gangsters and killing of people that we see okay. happening in our countries and elsewhere. And, and Tim Gossi, how are you going to prevent that, you know, the, 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 the killing of people and gangsters and, and so on who are operating there? But really, just talk us through the processes I'm, I'm, I still make the point that uh, these these are just open holes that are there. These mines are no longer in operation. It's dangerous down there. As you heard, for instance, even even the trained people uh, in uh, in uh, Egorulene, for instance, that they can't go down there because it's way too dangerous. For for so, for somebody who's not trained, how do you think then they will they will make it work? 
I think one of the first things we need to uh, acknowledge is that mining has happened in South Africa for over a century. So over the many years, the model was such that uh, the mining companies in Johannesburg in particular used to source labor from neighboring countries, from Mm. the homelands and the like. So these people came here to do the mining. They spent maybe 20 years of their lives doing nothing else but mining. So when the the prices started not to behave nicely, some companies decided to shut down and all of those things. So these people were left, therefore, in the townships around the mining towns without anything to do. So these people who are talking about, uh, some of them are highly skilled miners who have been doing this job for many, many years. And also the fact that some of them might be coming from neighboring countries. They came to South Africa on the invitation to work in the mines. So there's no doubt about that, you know, in terms of saying where they okay, come from. Okay, I get that. But so, the process is then now, how, how is this going to be so, done to legalize, to formalize? So the question of formalizing therefore becomes, uh, first of all, a dialogue between DMR and the, the, the informal miners, as it were so that they get to, 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 to tell the DMR and all stakeholders to say this is how the process works, these are the challenges that we face in terms of syndication, criminality and the like, so that then we work together to create a conducive environment for these people to work in a safe environment, in a, a legal environment and the like. So whilst we know clearly what the process for application of a, a license by a big mine is, we're still not clear about what is the process for an informal artisanal miner, which is clearly out there for everyone to know. Mm. Informal miners need to know. They don't need to give their ID numbers to someone in order to get what is rightfully theirs in terms of the law, if it is there. So in order to regulate, you need a clear set of regulations which are conducive to the type of person that we are talking about, who has the skills, probably some overalls, a lamp and a a shovel and a pick. And then you say, this is the door that you knock in, this is the form that you fill in. After that, you are going to be tested, you know, and, those and kind of. And regulating the, 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 the sector, then, who, who, who gets what? How does it work in your view? Because you've got uh, these thousands of people who were mine workers who probably understand how it feels like down there, and mm-hmm. they all want to come now and, and, be, the, and, and, and be entrepreneurs there and uh-huh. go and dig up gold or, or whatever that is down there. So how are they going to do it? Who, who's going to get licenses? How is it going to work in your view? Well, that, that is the, where the dialogue comes in between the stakeholders, where they sit together and say, okay, these are where the opportunities are sitting. Uh, this is potentially the number of people that can be taken in this site and that site and, and those sites. This is the mineral of, uh, of interest here. There is diamond there and all of those things. So that is why you need government as a player to be present because it is only someone sitting in government can know at what point to issue more licenses, at what point to stop, at what point to identify new opportunities. Is the, gov- know, is the government o- absent right now? At the current moment, the government is absent. Yeah.
Okay. 0891-104-28. That's the number to call. 0891-104-28-34701 is the SMS line. Sylvester Finger on uh, Facebook says the government knows which towns are not dominated by this scourge, but they are doing nothing. The government must offer these illegal miners licenses so that it gets something from that, and it should also make sure that uh, abandoned mines are properly shut down. David Mohabi, it's a bit long this one, but let me read it nonetheless. I blame mining authorities for this problem of uh, illegal mining. During that time, these mines were still operational. People who used to work there were never given training for other option of living after the closure of uh, these mines. The only job they know is that there is a mining is uh, every man's job. The government must engage these people, give them training and legally operate in these mines without being criminally charged. Uh, Christopher Wasempumalanga, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Go ahead. Very well. I, I would say I support also the formalization of this small-scale mining. Uh, I think if you look at the government's idea now of radical economic transformation, that is one area that the government needs to focus in. And I'm going to give you an example. I live the site of Vegas Fort. There yeah. are so much chrome reserves in this area, and you, you, won't be, you will be surprised at the amount of chrome that is here. And some of it, you don't even need to go underground. It's just lying on the surface. So in terms of formalizing it, um, it, it, it shouldn't be a, a, a difficult job to do. And if you look at what is happening now, there's mining that is taking place. And I, I believe that if the government really is serious about this radical economic transformation, they should go there because there is skills in here. Most of these mines in the Beresford area have closed. And the people who used to work in those mines are now sitting at home. We can use those skills. Those are the people that are picking up the chrome from this big mining company. So the skill is there. We just need the government to come on board and formalize it. And we can radically transform the sector. And that can also reduce unemployment rate in South Africa. Thanks, Bongi. Thank you very much, Christopher in Mpumalanga. Deputy Minister Oxfam says it's it's ready, you know, to unpack the dynamics and opportunities uh, which lie in a proactive approach on informal mining, but government is absent at the moment. You see, those that we have been interacting with are not saying we are absent. They are busy uh, on the ground where we have legalized these things. So I'm committing now to Tembinkosi and others that Within the month of April, the first two weeks, we can have a discussion. We'll call call them up. They've got my number. I'll give it later again, where we can get together to just unpack this thing and start a program of action together so that I can come out to do and lead this process until we find some sort of uh, closure on the issues that we can do legally. And I also, uh, with Christopher as well, on the Burgersford Chrome, I know that there are people who are working on the Chrome project who have applied to to do these chrome dams, not only in Burgersford, but around the country. So I'm not sure whether that is a different process for what he's talking about, but we can engage on issues at a provincial level, at municipality level. Those who are interested, we'll invite them to this workshop or seminar. I just have to put the date, I'll put it out there in the public domain. But we must also say that we agree that uh, with a lot of money that has happened in South Africa, we have created a lot of environmental damage. Mm. And if we want to correct the environment, 
they are there's potential for massive job creation we have been engaging with the mining industry because in their kitties they've got uh, between about uh, 60 billion that is in trust cash deposits and so on that can unlock value in terms of creating jobs and legalizing i mean i mean rehabilitating doing proper rehabilitation so there is an opportunity that's why i'm saying that if we come together we're able not just to talk and be emotional about the issues but work together but my last point is that not everybody who's engaged in illegal mining is a former mine worker some people there is a lot of human trafficking that is happening by this indicates who bring people to south africa on the basis that they're going to find them work and dump them in these illegal activities and they never return home when they've got to go home we got a lot of unidentified bodies uh, in South Africa because of some of the illegal activities. So I want us to differentiate between legality and some of these matters that are ugly that are happening. Uh, Deputy Minister, does this then not bring in the issue of uh, nationalization of mines? I know that uh, the NC says it's not necessarily the policy of the ANC and it's not a uh, government policy. Uh, uh, is this particular issue, for instance, and the issue of, uh, you know, uh, relaxing the, 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 the and formalizing uh, mining uh, then going to be discussed at, uh, at the policy conference of the ANC? Now, the policy code, the documentations are out which include uh, process of mining. So that, that one we won't preempt. We will allow the branches of the ANC and those who want to participate to share their views. I'll also share my views in those type of processes going forward. But, but, but there should be a, a, a lead voice that says, you know, this is this is what we have. This is the status quo. These are the challenges. These are the issues. And uh, this is the direction that perhaps the ANC would like to see as an outcome. Let, but let, what do you say? So that it me, gets input me, let, at that level. Let me summarize it to you as follows. Mm. South Africa has been mining for over a century and we're still going to mine for over, well over 100 years. So we've got a lot of good, beautiful geology in this country. So mining is going to be with us for a long time. What that means is that we've got to proceed doing it orderly in a manner that says there must be transformation in the mining. That's why in this month you'll see a mining charter going out, giving us the way forward. That the minister will be gazetting in this month of, 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 of March. But having said that, it's also to invite our people to say, you can't just sit there and criticize. Be part of this solution. Come apply for mining. There's training that can be given if you are not sure. And those who are trained, uh, because South Africa has got a lot of skills in mining. Those people that you are talking about, the ex-mine workers, there is a pro program that we've been working with, which deals with two matters. One matter is to find them who they are, why they are. And I've been working on this program for three years. As we speak, we've got a database of about 700,000 mine workers from South Africa, Mozambique, Lesotho, yes. Swaziland. And uh, part of that is not just uh, job creation, it's also their claims. Most of them left a lot of money behind. In the Department of Health alone, we've got 1.5 billion, and we are looking for people. We have been giving them the numbers. We have been going throughout the world. I mean, the, the South Africa, the provinces, we've been going to the other SADC areas that I've mentioned. And we put in special clinics for them because it's not only about money, it's about their health but, as well. But Deputy Minister, if we talk about a radical economic transformation, isn't the issue of, uh, uh, you know, ownership of mines then at the heart of it? Because And then prioritizing uh, local ownership of mines uh, at the heart of, of, of the whole process then? No, you see that our, our economy is such that you can have private ownership, you can have public ownership and cooperatives and so on. 
local so ownership say, also is is what I'm local asking. ownership is the is what we are we are focusing on that's what the mining charter is all about for ownership of the existing and also to say that those that because we've got a lot of good deposits in the country so we always encourage our people to say that whilst we we try to to hive off uh, some of the existing to be able to take you from 26 to 29 or 30 percent as we have said in the past years we also want you to own 100 percent and as a state we are also proceeding we've got state mining companies uh, like alexo and others that we are trying to improve and put another state consolidation of its assets so that our people can have uh, ownership local ownership of these uh, resources and it's a program that we are determined to to work one and succeed sig in renberg morning thank you very, thank you very much bongi we mustn't let ourselves be deceived totally deceived by uh, false pretenses of what can be done with dead and gone mines artisanal mining uh, is 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 what happens on riversides where where in clean air and healthy environments people can uh, pan for diamonds as they call it and pan for gold nuggets that is artisanal mining and that doesn't require supervision by the state but when you go into underground deep stuff and 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 even shallow old decrepit uh, stopes and, and, and hollows where, where, where that are crumbling to pieces. The danger is enormous. It cannot be controlled properly by the state. They can't, they barely manage to uh, look after the existing big, big, huge gold and, and uh, platinum mines. They barely manage to inspect them at all. And, uh, they close them down when a little accident happens. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, instead, of, instead of inspecting them before the accidents happen. So uh, let's not be deceived. Uh, these are incredibly dangerous things to do in, in big mines that, that are long abandoned and, and, and the air and the pollution that happens when the blasting takes place it's a disastrous thing and you cannot pretend that this is a job creation sure. thing. It's a disgrace to, 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 for these people to claim that this is going to create jobs. It's a horrible disgrace. Thanks very much, Rongi. Thank you very much uh, Sig. Sometimes I hate agreeing with, <laughs> with Sig because <laughs> you know, but uh, look, some of the things that uh, he's saying is exactly what I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Temigosi, because uh, these are, are deep, deep, deep mines. I mean, s- some some uh, companies left because they couldn't go any further deep down. But you want to allow our people to go down there on their own without the machinery, without training, and 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 you call this uh, decriminalizing informal mining. I, I'm, I'm really not sold on that one. I, I think, Bongi, what we are saying is uh, if government uh, enters into the fray yeah. and they bring in the qualified people to look at where these people are already working, they are also in a position to now see what are the, the potential hazards that are existing down there. Is the structure stable? What were the closure plans for those mines looking like, which are technical documents, obviously, that will explain all of these things, the risk of um, some of the table collapsing and all of those things. This is where then you will find that there is a site that is earmarked for artisanal mining after we've done all the checks by the qualified people. That is what we are talking about. But at the current moment, is entrepreneurs who are prone to taking risk who are going there. 
without all the necessary steps. Because remember, an ordinary person will not follow those steps. Mm, mm. So what we are saying is, uh, let them come clear to say, look, um, in Kimberley, uh, we have licensed so many artisanal miners. You know, this is what we did prior to that to check to see if it's safe and ensure that there is a formalized market for the product. You know, because once you have a formal market, uh, you have a formal process of licensing, then there is no incentive for one to be involved in syndicates and things like that. You are able to cut the syndicate. <laughs> let, let me ask this question again. Here's mm. a mine mm-hmm. that has been running this mine. You're saying, of course, you need to get uh, their closure reports and so on and so on. But there are no closure reports right now for the illegal operations that we see. People go in there, do their stuff. Some live there for months, we're told, underground. And they say they, they're supporting their families. Mm-hmm. The mine leaves because they say it's not profitable anymore to do this. It's too dangerous, and, and they leave. And you want to then say you want to rehabilitate that mine such that then, uh, uh, you know, informal mining takes place there. And you want government to assist in that. But I'm just trying to understand how you how do you plan to go about doing this? Because it, it's still not clear to me if if somebody with money, lots of money, foreign money in pounds and dollars decides this we can't do anymore. But you want our people to go and mine there using limited resources, machinery when we're going automation, by the way. I, I think one of the key things to understand is the risk profiling of a mine. Um, you know, to understand what are the issues that are at stake. So sometimes a miner will abandon a mine simply because of the volatility in the prices yeah, or the volatility in the foreign exchange rates where it, it now becomes not economically viable to continue to mine. So it doesn't mean at that point uh, it, it technically it's not possible to continue to mine. It just happens that at the time it's no longer optimal to mine and still make a profit. So these are the opportunities that we are talking about. Mines that were abandoned not because uh, the mineral has been depleted, but instances where for some other risk factor at the time the mine was abandoned by the miner, it was no longer profitable to continue to mine. Because remember, a, a mine in the traditional sense is a huge a commercial undertaking. Yes. So there's a lot of things to balance in a mine in order to continue to operate based on the size of the structure of the mine. But it doesn't mean smaller operators cannot do that uh, and, and still be profitable. I mean, one of the issues that are there in mining currently is that even though people now are getting a, a mining right, they parcel those mining rights to smaller operators. That's why in South Africa we don't know how many mines are there because there's so many people who are subcontractors in that instance. So I this mean, is the thing we're saying. Um, those smaller um, uh, contractors, let them have licenses of their own. I mean, we're talking, about, we're talking about costs. For instance, uh, Lily's mm-hmm. Mine in Bubalang, we still have three people who are buried underground and they're, they're citing the issue of cost. There was a potential investor who grew cold feet and uh, decided not to go ahead with, uh, with that particular investment. So it talks to the magnitude of investment and money that is needed to run a mine. So uh, informal mining, therefore, <laughs> is is really another issue. But the, the, the Deputy Minister says 
they are talking to to the likes of yourselves, for instance, and many other players, and and you feeling that uh, they they are not uh, they are not there yet. So, what would you like to see government do as of today? The deputy minister said, let's start even as early as now in April and and discuss this. Yes, um, we really would like government to open up the dialogue. You know, call all the stakeholders. So. We come and appreciate the size of the elephant in the room. And then we are able to highlight all of these issues about safety, about skills and all of those things. And we think together about how do we go forward. If we understand mining, we can think of mining as uh, underground mining of precious uh, minerals and the like. But mining is, is broad, you know, and it is easy to now start to say, well, these are where the opportunities exist for our informal small-scale uh, mining people where they can easily have some quick picks and they can sustain livelihoods and feed their families. Deputy Minister, uh, your final word, this is no rhetoric. You are serious about this as government and you are considering and you're working with uh, uh, different stakeholders now. No, no, it's, it, it's a serious because we have done it before. We continue to do it. As we speak, there are about seven sites that, uh, that have been successfully worked and uh, we continue to do what we are saying. And I'm glad Tembi also and others accept that let's get together. I will actually get back to them uh, to just propose a date so that we can say, because for, to us this is work in progress. We're not starting a progress. We are strengthening what is happening. And I don't take the view that uh, there is no area that cannot be accessed. Those that we cannot access, we close, we seal completely as part of the rehabilitation program. Those we can do safely with proper licensing will definitely do that. That's my word to it. Because illegal miners, they also go to the pillars that collapse these things, and that's how a lot of people died. It's regrettable that a young man died in a holding, and secondly, that uh, those who uh, shot the eight or seven bodies that uh, happened in also part of the illegal mining activities. So 087-474-695 is your number, uh, Minister, and you're giving out this number to those who are interested in engaging you insofar as uh, formalizing the informal mining in South Africa and decriminalizing informal mining. Precisely. Thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, the Deputy Minister of uh, Mineral Resources, Godfrey Oliphant, in our Tuane studio. Temikosi Lamini is a, a senior uh, a extract. Extractives, okay, this one is a bit tricky for me. Extractives lead at Oxfam South Africa. Your final word? Yes, um, I thank the Minister for taking the time to be here as well. There is more issues to talk about, uh, Minister, such as uh, transparency and accountability around social labour plans, you know, and how we can make your annual reports around social labour plans to be publicly available and a lot of other issues that impact on mining-affected communities. So we do hope that in the dialogue that the minister is going to open, we'll come ready to listen and let's engage and talk about the issues that are impacting on the sector. And, and uh, also just uh, you know, taking on board ordinary South Africans who are interested in, in informal mining. Yes, indeed. It's high time that uh, ordinary South Africans benefit uh, from the minerals under the soil. Uh, the new order mining rights were very clear to say now the minerals vest in the state. Mm. Therefore, they belong to the people of South Africa.